Yo, it's me, DDP, Diamond Dallas Page, the king of Bada Bing, the master of the diamond cutter, the three-time world champion, WWE Hall of Famer, and founder and CEO of DDP Yoga. Better known today is DDPY. Why? I'll tell you why. I want people to stop calling it just effing yoga. That's why. And I want you to know that May 10th, I will be on Strong Words with my buddy, the man, the man with a plan, Ian Strong. And that's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Bang! Strong Words! Strong Words! Welcome to your monthly special bonus edition of Strong Words with Ian Strong. I'm your host, Ian Strong, and thank you so much for joining me for another volume of Shot Glass Diaries that I do here on the show, where I take one of the many shot glasses that I've used to commemorate one of the many trips that I've taken in my life out of one of the cabinets in my kitchen and tell the story of that trip. And if you listen to this show regularly, and I hope you do, then you know that last month on Shot Glass Diaries, I started telling the story of the time that I went to the Netherlands with my friend Lydia back in 2018. And if you haven't checked that part out, I actually had to split this story up into two parts because it was just that damn big. Well, then go back to last month's volume of Shot Glass Diaries and you'll be able to catch yourself up on everything that led up to this point. Because as I begin Shot Glass Diaries here on Strong Words with Ian Strong, I'm going to be picking up right where I left off, right in the middle of the story. So, without further ado, let's conclude my trip to the Netherlands in this volume of... Shot Glass Diaries. So where I left off chronologically in the story of my trip is actually the day that we went to Brussels, Belgium for a day. And I'm actually going to save that particular facet of the trip for a different shot glass diary and just focus on finishing the story of my trip to Amsterdam. Because the day after we got back from Belgium, it was actually time to say goodbye to Fred and Kelly, the gracious and amazing hosts that we had at the B&B in Northern Holland and head to our luxury hotel in downtown Amsterdam. I can't say enough about Fred and Kelly. They were very nice and accommodating for the the room that we stayed in. And despite some of the hiccups that we encountered with the, the, the Whirlpool not working and the sauna not working sometimes, you know, they, they made sure that we always had everything that we needed. So our plan was to drop off our rental car at a park and ride outside the city and then take public transportation into the city. So I did some research on TripAdvisor while Lydia packed a care package to ship home. Despite doing that, her bag ended up being quite heavy for traveling. And I found myself a highly recommended park and ride and was able to figure out how to purchase a discounted train ticket to get us to and from Amsterdam Centraal, the same station that we had taken a train into from the B&B. And at this time of day and at this point in the trip, like Lydia was just exhausted and just totally oblivious while traveling from the lack of sleep that she had a hard time keeping her shit together. And I'm so used to functioning on very little sleep that I just kind of handle that part of the traveling aspect of the trip myself. So the GPS showed us that the hotel that we were staying in was about a three quarter mile walk from Amsterdam Central. And I, I just want to say that like Amsterdam isn't that big of a city to where you need to have a car to travel around in, despite the fact that Amsterdam is literally the largest city in the world in regards to museums per square mile. 
you can walk virtually anywhere that you want to in the downtown area of Amsterdam. I mean, it's only about like 84 square miles large, the entire city is, but most of it takes place within like one and a half to two square mile radius of the central part of the city. But despite the fact that we were only like a three quarter of a mile walk from the train station to our hotel, we, like a couple of idiots, walked there with all of our luggage. The, the streets were so much more crowded than the couple of weeknights that we had walked them, likely because it was a Saturday afternoon shortly after lunchtime. Occasionally during this walk, I would catch Lydia walking ahead of me, which was funny because she had no idea where she was going. But we tried to stay close, but keep our distance from other people because of all the luggage that we were carrying. And when we finally arrived to our hotel, the Torin, which doesn't look like much from the outside, but inside is beautiful. There's a large room to the right where they serve breakfast in the morning, and then they have a bar in there in the evening. And we got ourselves checked in, secured tickets to a tour of the Anne Frank House Museum, which was right around the corner from where we were staying, and got information about places to go and points of interest nearby. And then from there, we got a guided tour of our executive suite. We had to take a couple of stairs and an elevator to go to the second floor, so down a hallway, then take an additional set of stairs to our suite on the third floor. Only one of two executive suites in the entire building, and the concierge told us that our room was the newest room in the building. And everything in the room was digital. The lights, the AC, the locks are controlled by keypads and touch buttons, which he explained how to operate. And to the left of the door was this spacious walk-in closet with a safe inside. There was a large living room area with a long, comfy couch, coffee table with chairs, two desks, a Bluetooth speaker, mini fridge, which was fully stocked with like sodas and candy and water. Only the water was complimentary. There was a, a coffee and tea machine and a little mini bar. The room had central air, but it also had windows and blinds that could be remote controlled. There's a TV in the living room as well as one in the bedroom, but we weren't really interested in that. Literally, the only TV that I had watched on the entire trip up to this point is just Braves games in the evening on my phone. The king-sized bed was the centerpiece of what was a relatively pretty small room. The, the lamps on the adjacent nightstands were the only ones that were manually controlled. The, the bathroom was enormous and luxurious, which is easily why Lydia chose it. The two-person shower with the four heads doubles as a sauna... The bathtub was a whirlpool with massage jets that fits two people. There's a double sink and, of course, a toilet. But not just any toilet. This state-of-the-art melon farmer had a bidet, a drying fan that blows both warm and cool air, and a sensor underneath the bowl that opens the lid when it senses you within a few feet of the toilet. And upon conclusion of the tour of this amazing suite, the concierge left, we grabbed our luggage, we got some water bottles to stock the fridge, and he also did mention that the water from the tap is the cleanest in all of Europe. And he encouraged us to drink it with confidence, because most of the places that we had gone to, we were told not to drink the tap water, it'll make you sick. But he encouraged us to drink it with confidence in their suite, because they claim that their tap water is the cleanest of all of Europe. I'm still skeptical at this point. So once we settled in, I knew... I had to try the bidet. <laughs> and after taking care of business, a little warm sploosh of water almost like shocked me from my sitting position, but I, I was able to stay seated and avoid a potentially hilarious disaster, depending on your point of view. The fan to dry me didn't feel like it totally did the trick, so I took care of the excess moisture with a little safety wipe 
and had a successful conclusion of my first bidet experience. So we had enough time to hit an ATM at the AH, also known as the Alam Heihen, which is a grocery store around the corner from the hotel. We called and confirmed our check-in and room number with our booking with Morgan later in the evening. And we grabbed a quick bite to eat before our scheduled tour of the Anne Frank House Museum. We tried to go back to the fish market from the food tour that we had done earlier in the week because we wanted to try some more of that cod, the, the fish and chips, but we were told that it takes 15 minutes to prepare it and they were closing in 20 minutes and we really didn't have that kind of time, so we didn't want to be you know, the dicks that ordered that kind of food that close to closing time. I've been on the other side of that. So we figured we'd try again the next day. So we grabbed a hot dog, which wasn't like an American hot dog. It was a little bit more bitter with filler, but I mean, it still held us over. Uh, well, me, I mean, didn't really hold Lydia over, who frustratingly went back and forth to different nearby places and ultimately settled on a cup of soup that she could drink and walk with. And once she got her soup, it was time to stand in line for the Anne Frank House Museum tour. It was scheduled to begin at 5.30, but we were instructed at the hotel to get there with our ticket at 5.15 because the museum is pretty stern about everybody beginning their tour when their ticket designates it. So once inside, we were told that there's no photography, there's no videography allowed. There was a recorded guide that you could hold up to your ear like a telephone. And how it would work is you would enter the room and you would scan a code to begin that room's recording. And to me, it was pretty surreal to be in that house and rediscover the story that I so vaguely remember studying in school. The annex that housed the Franks and the other two families while they were hiding from the Germans was a lot bigger than I remember reading about, but still incredibly small when you think of the number of people who lived there for two years before being discovered and imprisoned. Now, I know the building has been updated and remodeled a bit to make it a little bit more tour-friendly, but it was easy to tell just how much of the annex and attic had attempted to be preserved in order to provide an authentic experience. And it was amazing after walking through there just to know how easy it was to make noise with just the, the tiniest creak in the floor and how these families were able to live there for so long without being discovered by the workers in the building and the houses and the factory. I, I have to admit, I did chuckle a bit when I saw the toilet that they used because it reminded me of a scene in Popstar, the Lonely Island movie. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend you do where Andy Samberg's character recreated the famous Ace Ventura scene after using the toilet in the Aunt Frank house, like, do not go in there. Woo! <laughs> but uh, you could tell once the tour had concluded that the rooms that we went through between the final room of the tour and the gift shop were being renovated and updated to elongate the tour. And I'm curious to know what they intend on adding there since they already have so many authentic keepsakes and photos from Anne's time in that house. So after the Anne Frank House Museum tour, we returned to the hotel to prepare for Morgan's arrival. I opted to take a quick nap while Lydia jumped in the shower, and it turned out that she needed every bit of the two plus hours to make herself up and prepare herself for this experience. She wore the lingerie, that I requested that she order from Fredericks of Hollywood. And she tried her best to keep me from seeing it until it was time, but she required a little bit of assistance in strapping the garter to the stockings in the back. I didn't see much else because she was wearing one of the robes that the hotel room had provided. 
And I trimmed my mustache and beard. I grabbed a shower. I put on the nicest button-down shirt and black slacks that I had packed. Some business socks, because you can't get down to business without some business socks. And some dress shoes and popped in my contacts so I wouldn't miss anything by removing my glasses. And despite the service company telling me that Morgan was almost always 30 or more minutes late, we heard a knock at the door literally like seconds after her expected arrival time of 9 p.m. So I open the door and I see the exact girl whose photos I've been fantasizing about for weeks. She was bustly, shapely, beautiful, voluptuous. And I invited her in, gave her, you know, the European kisses on the cheek to say hello, not realizing that it's actually customary to do it three times. I always thought it was just two. And I took her coat, hung it up in the closet, offered her a seat on the couch, and went to the bathroom to get Lydia. And then Lydia came out to meet Morgan, and I could see the excitement in her eyes. I offered Morgan a drink. She requested a dry white wine. And even though I knew that I could just call down to the bar to arrange to have it brought up to the room, I figured I would excuse myself and go downstairs and personally get it to give Lydia and Morgan a chance to get acquainted. So I returned with my glasses of wine. I sat down to get acquainted with Morgan. And we talked about our respective pasts and how it played a role into Lydia and I getting together, but never becoming more than friends with benefits, I guess. And we talked about how this trip came about and what we've done so far and what we still have planned. And then we asked her if she'd ever been to the United States before. And she said that she'd only ever been to Seattle, but she was once detained for six hours at JFK in New York because of a small, detailed-oriented discrepancy with her traveler's visa. She told me that she had been treated really poorly, she was harassed, and she wasn't even allowed to use her phone, which she believes the TSAs were likely using to look at the risque photos that she had on there. And she referenced this story as pretty much her primary reason that she's never going to return to New York City, despite her desire to see and experience what that city has to offer. Now, naturally, upon hearing this story, I segued into telling my story of being detained at an airport before my honeymoon. If you listen to the Shot Glass Diary in which we talked about going to San Francisco for the first step of my three-city tour of California on my honeymoon, then you know exactly the story that I'm talking about. And when I revealed the part that it was my testicles that caused this retention in the airport, she immediately just started laughing and saying, just like that episode from South Park. And Lydia and I almost pissed ourselves with laughter because we couldn't believe that she even knew of such a reference. And if you don't know the reference that I'm talking about, it's the South Park episode called Medicinal Fried Chicken, where... Randy Marsh intentionally gives himself testicular cancer by putting his junk in a microwave and his testicles swell to the size of a hoppity hop so that he can get medicinal marijuana legally. Now, at this point, you're probably saying to yourselves, Ian, why are you talking to this girl about South Park when you know why she's there? She knows why she's there. Why don't you just get down to business? And the reason for that was it was clearly explained to us on the website as we booked her that the first half an hour of our time with Morgan is just going to be a getting-to-know-you phase. There's no intimate activities taking place within the first half an hour of this session or whatever you want to call it. So we were just doing just that. We were getting acquainted, getting comfortable, getting relaxed. And at this point, she started answering questions about the, the cans and cannots or what she will or won't do. 
And then she said that we could start if we were ready. And despite our not-so-well-thought-out game plan going in where Lydia was just going to watch me with Morgan, Morgan said that she normally likes to start out with the girl first with a light massage followed by some body-to-body. And I asked the ladies if they wanted another drink before we got started, and they both requested another white wine. So I called down to the bar this time to order the drinks while Lydia readied the bed and Morgan readied herself in the bathroom. So at this point, I told them that I was going to grab a chair, and I placed it in the corner of the room to get a front row seat to this show. (laughs) And then Lydia and Morgan got undressed, and they were both wearing exactly as I had hoped for and requested. And it was kind of funny because at this point, Morgan had asked us if we were comfortable if she could kiss Lydia. The reason for this is just like with our red light district experience with Ina, she was not exactly understanding of the relationship that Lydia and I had. And Morgan had explained to us before that she always asks before doing that because despite what they may have already discussed or things like that, there have been times in her profession that in the moment she would go to do something to one of the two members of the couple that she is with and didn't realize that there would be a lot of jealousy involved in the moment. So she always prefaced everything that she would do by requesting permission first, just to make sure that jealousy is not on the table. And I made sure that she was confident enough to know that that would not be an issue because Lydia and I were completely open to a fully intimate experience with her together. So then I took my seat, I put my right leg over my left knee, and I just enjoyed the show. And I maintained the thought that I was completely calm and in the moment and acting like I've been there before, boss-like. But if you ask Lydia what I looked like in this moment, she said that my poker face was totally straight, except my eyes looked like a kid on Christmas morning. (laughs) And then after the massage and a little bit of foreplay and then my inclusion into the whole thing, obviously I'm going to be skipping over and yada, yada, yadaing a whole bunch of the intimate, intimate details that I'm going to keep just for myself and a very select few that I will tell personally. But I do want to mention that Morgan thought it was pretty funny that I brought my own condoms. And by brought, I mean like I brought them from home. I didn't buy them in Amsterdam. And I told her that I preferred to be prepared claiming that I wasn't sure how they would be priced in Amsterdam due to supply and demand. Kind of like when you go to the beach and you forgot suntan lotion and the bottles are like $6 more expensive than when you get them at home. You know what I'm saying? I didn't know if it was a similar situation with condoms in Amsterdam. So as we finished up this incredibly amazing, dare I say magical experience, we had a little bit of time left. So we just kind of conversed while laying in bed. And I got to learn a little bit more about Morgan. It was almost as if like she would have been like one of my best female friends if she lived anywhere around here because we had so much in common. We started talking about movies, we started talking about TV. She starts telling me about how her favorite actor is Jim Carrey and all of his movies that he's done that I've seen so many times in my life. And as our time with Morgan was coming to a close, Lydia had asked her if she didn't mind if we can get a couple of pictures with her, which I immediately was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. The website clearly states that they don't allow that in any way, shape, or form because they want to protect the identities of these women as much as possible because even though it's legal, it's not something that they want everybody to know. But to my surprise, Morgan said that she didn't mind 
And she wasn't embarrassed about what she does. She said her family knows. She says her boyfriend knows, which I thought was kind of funny that she had a boyfriend that knows that she does this for a living. I don't judge. So I got dressed and I fetched Morgan's coat and we posed for a few pictures that Lydia took on her phone before I suggested that Lydia and I switch so that she can have some pictures for herself. Then we took care of her financially, giving her a very generous tip before showing her out. And then Lydia and I just adjourned to the couch to basically debrief each other on this amazing experience that exceeded every one of our expectations. And I joked that my least favorite part of the entire evening was her broken thumbnail, which she would not stop mentioning all day. She was super self-conscious about it prior to Morgan's arrival. But after our little debriefing session, it was time for round two before we went to bed. And then the next day was going to be our last day in Amsterdam. And... When it comes to Lydia's concept of time, particularly when it comes to eating the proper meal at the proper time, she's very skewed. Like, it's not uncommon for her to eat a dinner meal at 8 a.m. or eat breakfast at night. And because of this, she had, like, no sense of urgency to have breakfast at the hotel, which she paid for in advance, or at Barney's Uptown, which was a restaurant that my buddy James Massey had suggested I go which I really wanted to try because the food is very well-reviewed and it's actually one of the only marijuana smoker-friendly restaurants in Amsterdam. But her plan slash suggestion was that we go back to the fish market and try again to get that fish and chips. But unfortunately, we didn't know that the fish market is closed on Sundays, so we were forced to search for another option. And Lydia suggested this crepe place that she saw before but couldn't remember the name, which provided me no help in trying to locate it on my GPS. So we just kind of wandered to a place near the hotel called the Pancake Bakery. And as we were scoping the menu out outside, it didn't seem like they offered crepes. And upon overhearing our conversation, an older lady who was standing between us and the posted menu clarified that they make these huge pancakes that are thicker than a crepe, but not as thick as a pancake. And she introduced herself to us as Fran from Hope, Michigan. And we ended up sharing a table with her since the restaurant was super busy and she was just there by herself. So to drink, Fran ordered herself a bitter lemon, which is kind of like she described it as a less sweet version of lemonade. Lydia and I just had orange juice that tasted like it was made from fresh squeezed tangerines. But that could just be what the European origins taste like. I don't know. And I couldn't decide between a pancake or an omelet. So I ended up going for both. And the bacon and cheese omelet was freaking huge. Like I only finished half of it. And the pancake was also amazing. I opted to put bacon and pineapple in it to give it a little bit of that sweet and salty. And I only ate half of that as well, but I snacked on it throughout the rest of the day. And from there, we walked around a bit and Lydia checked out the Tulip Museum by the Café du Prince, which was where we started our food tour. And after a quick stop at the hotel, we made our way back towards the Rembrandt House and Museum, which we were told earlier was easier to buy tickets for at the door since it's not as busy as some of the other tourist attractions in Amsterdam. And the walk that took us through the town square, which looked like a scene from a movie, the buildings, shops, people, statues, and hundreds of pigeons filled this square, and it made for some pretty neat pictures. I'll post them on the social media pages. And we figured this would be an appropriate time to visit a coffee shop. Now remember, as I said before, coffee shops don't sell coffee. They just sell weed. Cafes sell coffee. Before we see the impressive impressionalism, as Lydia put it. So as we go into this coffee shop, Smoke and Bobby McFerrin are just filling the room. And we ordered a pure pre-rolled joint called the Amnesia Haze 
because it was the only non-tobacco joint on the menu, but they were out of it and they offered us a juicy fruit instead, which was a weed joint mixed with sativa, which made for like a really mellow high. And to drink, I just ordered a smoothie called the Coco Loca, which was made with banana, orange juice, coconut, and pineapple. And when I asked them if I can get it without the coconut, they had a laugh at me and just called the drink a loca, which is a Coco Loca without the cocoa. So uh, we enjoyed the joint and the smoothie and listened to some Bob Marley before we headed to the Rembrandt Museum. And it was a good thing I was a little high when I got through the museum because not only did it make the tour a little less boring, but I saw some things and details that I may not have noticed if I had just passed by while soberly making my way through. These paintings and sketchings, while impressive, I thought it was interesting that nobody knew who the artist was who did some of the pieces inside. And the audio tour that accompanied this tour was similar to the one that we did at the Anne Frank House, which included a three-digit numbered code that you can enter into the room to explain the information about the stuff that you're seeing. And then after we left the Rembrandt House Museum, the munchies started to kick in a little bit. So we sat at a bar nearby that we saw served bitterball in, which we were both craving. And it was kind of funny how the female bartender's impression of us changed in mid-sentence between the non-alcoholic beverages we ordered and then the bitterball in that we ordered. It was almost as if like, oh, these tourists are coming in, they're not even going to drink any booze. And then they're like, oh, they know what bitterball in is. All right, these people are all right. <laughs> And I, I thought the Bitterballen at this place was actually much better than any other place that we had on this trip. And they were served with a, in my opinion, more complimentary mustard and some really tasty bread and butter pickle chips. Although it wasn't enough for Lydia. She had a piece of apple pie. So we walked around some more and did some shopping, spending most time and money at what was called the best freaking candy shop in Amsterdam as the store advertised on its window. And I got some jelly beans for Amy's parents and some dark chocolate-covered dehydrated banana chips, which were excellent. And the proprietor of this shop was really cool. He, he was witty. He was charismatic. He offered us many free samples and postcards. He broke my balls a little bit for adding United States after saying I was from Pennsylvania because his accent is a lot more American Dutch. So after we walked out of the candy shop, Lydia got plowed by a biker, taking him off his seat and needing to use his feet to keep him from tumbling to the ground. It, it was brutal to see. And my vantage point saw him coming towards me as I had not yet stepped out onto the bike lane. And since I saw him coming, Lydia claimed to have stumbled into the bike lane as opposed to obviously causing the accident. The man was seemingly unharmed when he instructed Lydia that she needs to watch out for bicyclists before accepting her sincere apology and moving on. Which is another facet of Amsterdam that I thought was particularly fascinating is that, especially to the locals, bicyclists have the right of way to everyone, including cars and pedestrians, which explains why the biker who hit Lydia as she stumbled into the bike lane was kind of a dick about it. I mean, apparently it's, it's always that way. But after making sure that she was okay, which she was, I mean, she said despite some residual post-traumatic stress... We returned to the hotel to prepare ourselves for a quick break before heading back out for the evening. And I suggested that we begin packing to leave a bit before heading out so that we don't have to rush to do so in the morning. So we started doing a little bit of that, and then Lydia ended up stopping because her shoulder started bothering her from the accident with the biker. 
So much so that she started looking up hospital information before taking my suggestion just to use the Whirlpool for a while and take some ibuprofen to see how she feels. And at this point in the day, I'm writing about my time with Morgan in my journal, and then I heard the jets turn on and then turn back off within two minutes. And Lydia had asked for me to join her in the bathroom because the tub appeared to be malfunctioning. So I called the front desk. They sent someone up to verify what I pretty much already knew, that the tub was malfunctioning. And I also mentioned that the central air also seems to be malfunctioning, which I didn't think the two issues were related. It seemed maybe like a breaker issue, which I was told it was working properly. But the front desk ended up informing us that the tub would have to be serviced after our stay and then offered us breakfast as compensation, even though Lydia had already paid for it. So they just took it off of her her bill when we checked out. So after seeing what the two-person shower could offer us sexually... We packed up our things, we got dressed, and we made our way down to have dinner at Barney's Uptown. Now, unfortunately, the kitchen was closed when we got there at 11 p.m., but the bartender was really cool. He offered us some free rolling papers, a lighter, and a suggestion of places that would still have kitchen serving a full menu. But unlike Barney's, it wouldn't be smoker-friendly. So we looked at a couple other restaurants that were either closed or closing soon before settling on a pretty awesome burger place where they measure the patties right in front of you before they cook them. And we both ended up opting for the smaller 200-gram patty, which is a a little bit less than half a pound. Their larger patty is 270-gram, which is almost two-thirds of a pound, and neither of us were going to eat that. So I opted for bacon and a fried egg on mine, mushroom and onion on hers, and we split an order of some outstanding onion rings. We didn't want to stay out too late, knowing that we needed to be awake at 7 o'clock in the morning to ensure a punctual arrival to the airport for our flight, but we wanted to finish the other joint that we bought while we walked the red light district one last time. We ended up passing Ina in her same room, but she didn't recognize us as we were casually walking by, and I had a good laugh when one of the girls, while crouched in a window, would point at two guys in a group, make the number two with her fingers, and then point at her genitals, shaking her head approvingly and smiling. I thought that that was just the funniest thing. And as we walked back to our hotel, our final visual of the women in the red light district were mostly big, black, beautiful women. But what made the detour totally worth it was this following exchange. I overheard a guy named Alex in a very thick Irish accent saying that he didn't understand why somebody would partake in the services of this part of the red light district where the women aren't as attractive as the ones on the main street. And Alex's friend tried to convince him to go in on an offer of a woman who allegedly said that it was free. And he just says, what do you mean it's free? There's no such thing as free. And he's like, yeah, come on, it's free, Alex. Come on, it's free. And he just walks away and he just starts yelling bullocks repeatedly. And I could barely contain myself. (laughs) Oh, man, that was so funny. I I know that's probably one of those you had to be there stories, but man, it was just so funny. So at this time, it's around 1 o'clock in the morning, and we get back to the Torrin. The AC's still not working, the tub's still broken, we open up all the windows to welcome in the brisk, cool air into our suite, and we finished packing whatever preliminary time-saving packing we could do before we fell asleep around 2 o'clock in the morning. And then off and on, I was up around 5 a.m., sometimes too hot, sometimes too cold, and I was just worried that we would miss our alarm and then we would, we would miss our flight. I didn't even take advantage of our comped breakfast aside from a small glass of orange juice and some water. I I was just too exhausted and nauseous to eat before our cab arrived to take us to the park and ride, who ended up charging me a quadrupled price from the discounted one that I was told that we would get because we didn't use their public transportation to return to the park and ride. 
BS, right? So we returned to the rental car. We ended up putting 550 kilometers on our trip on it. We mailed home as much as we could possibly mail home that we didn't want to take with us on the plane, which ended up being delayed for about an hour from what we were told. And then we made our way to Iceland, which is going to be a subject of another shot glass diary here in the future. But as far as the shot glass that I have for this facet of the trip, it's basically just a shot glass that looks like it's depicting what the city looks like during the day. You know, there's some bicycles, there's sidewalks, you can see the moat and all the different buildings and and structures and such. I, I really love this shot glass. I love the one that's made completely out of pewter that I talked about in part one of this story. And as far as, you know, shot glass diaries goes, this is always going to be up there as at least a measuring stick of what all other shot glasses are going to mean to me. So I hope you enjoyed this shot glass diary and look for future ones that have Belgium and Iceland as part of this trip in the future. Regular listeners of this show know that I don't do this show just so I can sell out, that I wouldn't endorse a product that I didn't believe in that I like to highlight people from my hometown that are doing amazing things. And that's why I'm happy to be sponsored in part by Rolling Acre, makers of CBD and CBG products from my hometown of Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Rolling Acre Farm sits on 105 beautiful pesticide-free acres in Carlisle, where they grow high-quality hemp to produce superior-tasting CBD and CBG, unlike anything else you'll find on the market. I have a lot of problems falling and staying asleep at night, But since I started using Rolling Acres CBD and CBG before I go to bed, I noticed that while I'm not getting more sleep, I'm getting better sleep, more quality sleep, and I feel more rested when I wake up in the morning. Rolling Acres spends long days on their farm planting, nourishing, and harvesting their hemp by hand and processing it in a state-of-the-art lab right on the farm before it only leaves to be third-party tested for both quality and potency. Friend of the show, Nate Blazer, uses Rolling Acre for his gluten allergy, telling me that he notices improvement within 30 minutes of using it. And if you go to rolling-acre.com, you can learn more about the farm, shop their selections of 1,000 milligram full-spectrum CBD and CBG tinctures, and when you're ready to try it for yourself, you can use the promo code STRONGWORDS to get $10 off your next purchase. They even have two flavors that your dogs, cats, and horses will love. So again, go to rolling-acre.com, use the promo code STRONGWORDS at checkout, and receive $10 off your order. Available to ship in all 48 CBD and CBG legal states. You can find them on social media at Rolling Acre, or go to rolling-acre.com today. So I hope that you enjoyed this two-part shot glass diary chronicling my trip to the Netherlands, and I assure you at some point down the line, as shot glass diaries continues, I will hit that day in Belgium, as well as the week in Iceland that I also spent on this trip. So if you have experiences that you've had in the Netherlands or Amsterdam that you'd like to share with me or would like to comment on any of the things that I mentioned in this story, you can hit me up on social media at Ian Strongwords on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also email this podcast at strongwordspodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to do something to support the show, the best thing that you can do is help spread the strong words by liking, following, subscribing, leaving a rating, writing a review, and most importantly, sharing my social media posts because you are just as integral of spreading the strong words as the show itself. So that'll do it for another episode of the show here, but come back next week as I have a great guest lined up for you. You may remember him as a panelist on the Ranking Roundtable View a Skewniverse edition, but he's also a stand-up comedian, a podcaster, and a podcast producer, as well as my friend Pat George is going to be here. And, as mentioned by the man himself in the top of the episode, we are just a few weeks away from Diamond Dallas Page being on the show. Big things happening here on Strong Words, but in the meantime, I'll see you next week when Pat George is going to be here. Stay safe out there. Spend a little time every day doing something that you love, 
And if you got something to say, keep your words strong. How strong? Ian Strong. <laughs>